Good morning, everybody. I'm Dr. Edward Mazur, Chairman of the City Club of Chicago. Welcome to our program today. Our speaker is Chancellor Michael Amaritis of the University of Illinois at Chicago. The City Club of Chicago, over 103 years old, is the premier public affairs organization in Chicago and the entire Middle West. Chancellor Amaritis, as I said, is Chancellor of the University of Illinois, or UIC as it's known, which is the largest and only public research university in Chicago. They have a budget of over $3.5 million. They serve almost 35,000 students in 16 colleges, including one of the most comprehensive academic health centers in the United States. Also, they are the home to Chicago's first and only public law school, the UIC John Marshall Law School. University of Illinois at Chicago also operates the University of Illinois Health and Miles Square, along with regional health science campuses in Peoria, Rockford, and Urbana-Champaign. Under Chancellor Amaritas's leadership, by the way, he just celebrated his sixth anniversary as chancellor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And he told me he is the second longest serving chancellor in Illinois. Number one is headed by the chancellor at Eastern Illinois, who was hired a mere six months before Chancellor Amaritas. So we say congratulations, Chancellor, and we wish you many, many more years at the University of Illinois. The university has experienced record enrollments for six consecutive years. They've reached a new record of research awards, over $400 million in 2020. If you drive around the campus, you always see an ambitious construction program, renovations that has included a new engineering innovation building, a $100 million academic and residential complex that opened last year, a new outpatient surgery center, and a computer science building that are currently at different stages of design and construction. Before coming to us in Chicago at UIC, Chancellor Amaritas served for 21 years as a professor, department chair, dean, and provost at the University of South Carolina. By the way, his son is a student at the University of South Carolina. Chancellor Amaritas is a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, a member of the board of the Chicago Council of Global Affairs. Chancellor Amaritas received his diploma in chemical engineering from Aristotle University of Thessalonica in Greece his Ph.D. in chemical engineering from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where, as an aside, his daughter is completing her Ph.D. at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and an honorary doctorate degree from the University of Ionina in Greece. Chancellor Emeritus, welcome to the City Club of Chicago. Thank you, Ed. This is a, a wonderful introduction and a great executive summary of what I'm going to talk about. So the rest of you, if you don't want to hear the details, you can tune back again during the Q&A period. It's, it's good to be back at the City Club today. Uh, this is the third time that I am at the, at the City Club, and I'm, I'm amazed that you keep inviting me back. So that's wonderful. Uh, I also want to thank all of the guests who have joined us virtually uh, good morning to everyone, and welcome uh, the president of the University of Illinois System, Dr. Timothy Kalin, who is with us today, as well as Mr. Bill Merchants, uh, who is the founding chairman of our UAC Alumni Association and represents 200,000 200, alumni in the Chicago land area alone and approximately 300,000 alumni across the nation and across the world. Before I begin, I would like to share a really short video in recognition of everyone at the University of Illinois Chicago who have time and time again shown their resilience and strength to keep our community safe during the most challenging days of our pandemic. Can we please play the, the video? 
It's short. While our UIC campus is quiet, the important work continues. Teaching and learning, caring for patients, discovering treatments and cures, innovation, persevering with determination and grit. The world is changing. The importance of your degree won't. We are the University of Illinois at Chicago for Chicago. Thank you to our students, faculty, staff, doctors, nurses, and all our service providers. It has been a very difficult year for all of us. Uh, Reflecting back into the last 12 months, we mourn the loss of life that our country, our city, and our UAC community have experienced. We recognize the financial hardships that have affected the most vulnerable communities in Chicago and around us. And we have seen the COVID pandemic reveal in a very profound way the social inequalities in our city and in our country. We were faced with many new challenges, but through it all, we have taken a measure and deliberate approach to ensure that our students, our faculty, and our staff were first and foremost safe. And we have continued to do what we do best, taking care of patients, listening, learning, teaching, planning, innovating, and coming together. Keeping our eyes on our collective goal to fulfill our mission as the nation's best urban public university, we worked together. We placed our trust in science from the very beginning and we led by example. I think I can confidently say today that we faced the challenges head on and we succeeded. Beginning in the early weeks of the global public health crisis, we continuously adapted to ensure that our students had the best remote learning experiences possible. At the same time, we kept our dorms open for those who had no option to go home, and we made laptops and hotspots available for all students who could not afford them at home. Our faculty are very creative, and they work hard to make their courses engaging. And our staff members made sure that most of our support services were available and accessible remotely. Just to give you a few examples, instructors in engineering put together and mailed kits containing enough wiring, circuit boards, and surplus parts to give students the opportunity to make wearable devices at home for a very popular tech lab that they were teaching. And in applied health sciences, one of our instructors in the nutrition program, the one that you see in the, in the pictures, used videos and photos from our campus food lab and outdoor nutrition garden in an effort to engage the students and inspire them during the course. For our theater and music faculty and students, the show must go on, even during a pandemic. A very determined and technically savvy roster of instructors rose to the challenge to provide acting and music instruction through a combination of in-person and virtual courses. Imagine what it looked to adjust immediately and create a theatrical experience fully virtual within a couple of weeks. If you want to get a feeling of what it looks like, it's called Reverb, and you can watch the production online. In the face of changing public health conditions in the late summer and early fall, we nimbly moved a number of courses to a hybrid model that combines online and in-person instruction and allowed us to safely optimize learning opportunities for students. This is also the operational model this spring, but we're planning to return mostly in-person instruction next fall since we expect that a significant number of individuals in our community will be vaccinated. We also implemented rigorous safety measures to protect our community, including reducing density on campus and mandating face coverings, and I'm very proud of our students who followed the guidelines, implementing daily wellness screenings and building a comprehensive saliva-based testing and contact tracing program since August of last year. To date, we have performed more than 110,000 saliva tests, and we are currently running five to 6,000 tests a week. 
Our most recent seven-day rolling positivity rate is on the order of 0.2 to 0.3 percent, two to three people per thousand, per thousand. Through the work of our contact tracing team, based in our School of Public Health, we successfully reached 96% of the people who tested positive in our campus and over the last six, eight months, isolated and quarantined them. This is how we limited the spread of the virus on our campus. I can confidently say that over the last year, the USA campus has been one of the safest areas in the city and in the state. Our clinicians and researchers have heroically stayed at their posts, taking care of the sick, particularly in Chicago's hardest hit communities. And at the same time, they jumped into the race for new therapeutic approaches and the development of new vaccines. Last spring, 200 of our medical students requested an early graduation in the middle of the first wave of the pandemic in order to join their more senior colleagues at the, at the front lines. More than 1,100 patients have been hospitalized with COVID-19 at UA Health since the first case was identified in our hospital on March 12th of last year. And a number of these patients were enrolled in clinical trials to investigate potential treatments for the disease, including the trials for remdesivir and the monoclonal antibodies, the most effective therapeutics that we have right now in the war against COVID. Our hospital was also among the first institutions in the country to participate in a national registry of frontline healthcare workers in order to better understand their experiences and track their health outcomes, including mental health issues related to the pandemic. We have also been at the forefront of the fight by participating and enrolling thousands of patients in the most important clinical trials in the world for the Moderna vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We became last year the go-to place in Midwest for COVID-related clinical trials because of the national reputation of our epidemiologists and because of the diversity of the patients that we treat. And now we are able to see the rewards of these efforts by providing these same vaccines to our own community. In January, we opened the Credit Union One Arena at UIC as a mass vaccination site for Chicagoans and our patients, delivering by now approximately 65,000 vaccines, which represents roughly 10% of the vaccines given in the city of Chicago. We have actually the capacity to provide 20 to 30,000 vaccinations a week, a five-fold increase of what we do right now, but we are currently limited by the vaccine supply. We're also working very closely with the City of Chicago and the Chicago Department of Public Health to get the vaccine out quickly and safely to as many people as possible. I'm particularly proud of the fact that our vaccination efforts at the Credit Union One Arena are supported almost exclusively by UIC student volunteers who have been trained, their students in the health sciences, nurses, pharmacists, physicians, dentists, who have been trained and contributed thousands of hours, volunteer hours, to this effort. Last summer, our academic community witnessed and joined the strong universal reaction from the people of our country and across the world, clearly stating that black lives matter to all of us. And we know that we are not going to make progress as a society until we address the structural racism that tolerates and perpetuates behaviors that we have so frequently witnessed. UAC has historically been at the forefront of the nation's universities as we created many institutional structures and supporting programs that have led to significant gains in diversity and inclusion. For decades, we have also worked closely with Chicago's underserved communities communities of color through many research, education, clinical care, and community engaging initiatives. At the same time, there are still areas where we need to improve, especially when it comes to significantly diversifying our faculty and increasing the number of black students on our campus. So with the help of our community members, we developed and started implementing an ambitious plan 
to advance racial equity. Our overarching goal is not only to be one of the most diverse universities in the country, which we already are, but also a university where black and other minoritized students, faculty and staff can reach their full potential and they feel valued in. Over the last six months, we have made significant investments in this direction and we have already observed some progress. At the same time that we have been fighting the largest crisis of the last 100 years, our faculty achieved a new record last year, surpassing 410 million in sports or research for the first time in the university's history. This number, 410 million, represents a 22% increase over the last two years and provides support for approximately 9,400 faculty, students, and staff working in over 1,800 different research projects. That's a big enterprise. Our research infrastructure gives our students the opportunities to gain real-world experience in the classroom and in the lab as they work side-by-side -side with some of the country's best federally-funded investigators. Approximately 75% of our research funding comes from federal sources, including the National Institute of Health, the National Science Foundation, and the U.S. Department of Defense, in addition to state funding that we receive from state funding agencies, foundations, and the private sector, who are also important partners and supporters of our research enterprise. These awards support a wide range of research activities in all of UAC's 16 colleges and disciplines, from the health sciences and science and engineering fields to the social sciences and the arts and the humanities. UAC is one of only 131 institutions in the United States and one of four in the state of Illinois to have the highest classification for research by the Carnegie Foundation. This is what we call in our business a Carnegie One institution. And we are one of only 16 institutions in the country that is designated as a Carnegie One institution and is a minority-serving institution as well. With one of the most comprehensive academic healthcare systems in the country, it should come as no surprise that much of our research is focusing on improving the health of individuals and communities, particularly the underserved, from finding ways to cure sickle cell anemia or to tackle the country's high maternal and infant mortality rates, to using voice-enabled artificial intelligence to manage depression and anxiety, and to developing antibody-based eye drops that treat severe dry eye cases, discoveries made at UAC lead to a better understanding of the world and contribute to advances in the diagnosis and treatment of diseases. UAC has also been very successful in moving scientific discoveries to the marketplace. In fiscal year 2020, UAC reported 580 patents that they were issued to us, 290 active licenses of our intellectual property, 26 new startups associated with our research, and 50 million in licensing income. 50 million, five, zero. Currently, we have three important therapeutics on the market licensed to major pharmaceutical companies including Persista, an anti-HIV drug that is, is licensed to Janssen Therapeutics, Thais BCG, which is a bladder cancer drug, which is licensed to Merck, and Syngrix, the one that you see in the picture, Syngrix, the world-leading vaccine for singles, which has been licensed to GlaxoSmithKline. This places UAC among the top 10 universities in the country, public and private, in terms of revenue for intellectual property licenses. And we are in there with the heavy hitters, with Stanford, with MIT, with Johns Hopkins. Our experience in bringing research to the market is a great asset for the Discovery Partners Institute. And we are working closely with the University of Illinois system and our sister institution in Urbana-Champaign as we design and build DPI. Our discoveries also help to inform policy decisions to protect the environment 
and inform cultural and social changes. For example, when you think about an urban research university, you may not expect that we are working to save the monarch butterfly from extinction. Researchers at UAC's Energy Resources Center are leading a nationwide effort, partnering with more than 45 energy companies and transportation agencies and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to protect and enhance habitats that support monarch butterflies and other pollinators. Believe it or not, the monarch butterfly also plays a role in attracting more first-generation and Latinx students to science majors and supports them on their pathway to degree attainment at UAC. You see, monarch butterflies are an important component of the cultural heritage of Latino communities in our country. So faculty in liberal arts and sciences view this as a great opportunity and receive a National Science Foundation grant to develop a science outreach curriculum based on the monarch butterfly and milkweed system, spanning the fields of environmental science, physiology, and chemistry. In a completely different field, UAC architecture, with its professors Paul Anderson and Paul Preisner, were chosen to curate the U.S. Pavilion exhibition at the 2020 Venice Architectural Biennale, which will actually take place in 2021 because of COVID. Their project, called American Framing, will explore the conditions and consequences of American wood frame construction. The Venice Biennale is the oldest and most prestigious of all of the world's architecture biennials, and it's rare for a public university to be selected as the sole commissioner of the exhibition, which is an extraordinary achievement of our faculty members. A third architecture professor at UAC, Professor David Brown, that you see on the other side of the slide, was named the artistic director of the 2021 Chicago Architecture Biennial earlier this year. The biennial theme, The Available City, expands on, Brown's, on Professor Brown's long-term research exploring how thousands of vacant lots owned by the city of Chicago may be used for public or collective space to benefit communities and foster economic development. In a city which loves its architects like rock stars, USC architecture has its unique year this year. I could talk all day about the breadth of our research, and actually it is very educational for me because by talking about our research, I learn a lot of things. But I also want to share a few highlights about our record-breaking enrollments, our growing national and international recognition, our expanding capital infrastructure, and our world care, world-class healthcare services. I hope that we all agree that university rankings are not perfect and they're a bit of a popularity contest based on various criteria that sometimes are relevant and sometimes are not. And at UAC, we are really an egalitarian culture and they don't care that much about rankings. We just do great work. Even so, I think that for this group, I should mention that the Wall Street Journal and the Times of Higher Education ranked UIC 22nd among 340 public universities. This is the list for last year. You cannot read the list, but the yellow part that you see the highlighted, this is the University of Illinois at Chicago. There, we are in the top 25 for three years in a row now. We're also consistently placed ahead of more than half of the Big Ten universities. Not that we care that much about the Big Ten, but our board does care about it. We play on the Horizon League, actually, our basketball team. We were also among the top 10 best value universities in the country for three years in a row, both public and private universities. Honestly, I have no clue how they calculate this, but based on the outcome, I think it's a very good methodology that they're following. Students and their families, more than rankings, want a high-quality education at a reasonable cost with a great student experience. And they vote with their feet. Word gets out and they vote with their feet. 
Last fall, despite a 4% decline in enrollment at public universities across the country, we set a new enrollment record for the sixth year in a row, surpassing 33,500 students. Ed, in his introduction, talked about approximately 35,000 students. That's where we're heading. That's what we want. In the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, we brought almost 6,000 new undergraduate students on campus, both freshmen and transfer students, and we brought 3,000 new graduate and professional students to UAC. We are by far the largest university in the city and the second largest in the state of Illinois. If you haven't been on campus recently, you may not be aware that in the summer of 2019, we have opened two new buildings that are critical to the student experience and our commitment to access and excellence. Our engineering programs are in high demand and we are bursting at the seams for space. Enrollment in the College of Engineering has almost doubled in the last 10 years to 5,400 students, outpacing growth of engineering programs across the country. To address this unprecedented growth in engineering, we opened a new engineering innovation building, the first new academic building on the East Campus since 1991. Our chemical engineering and civil and materials engineering departments occupy the new building, which is home to the Chicago area's only high-base structural research laboratory. Over the last 15 years, our computer science department in the College of Engineering has also grown from 187 undergraduate students to more than 1,500 students this year, and we project that these 1,500 will become 2,500 by 2023, just three years, two years, actually, by now. This is why we're breaking ground this summer on another new building, the one that you see in the slide, the Computer Design Research and Learning Center, made possible by funding from Governor Pritzker's Rebuild Illinois Capital Plan. In doing so, I'm confident that we're creating the go-to place for the growing tech business sector in Chicago. They will have to come to our building to hire the best and the most diverse talent in the city and to find the best researchers to work with. This building is also directly related to the DPI effort and will be a great contributor to that initiative as well. As you're driving on the Eisenhower, you may also have noticed our new academic and residential complex. We made sure that the UAC sign is very red and very large, so you cannot miss it. This is a beautiful facility, and the picture that you see on the right is actually a real picture of the interior. It's not some kind of an artist's representation. With 550 new beds and more than 50,000 square feet of state-of-the-art academic space. Our residential students have some of the best views of the downtown skyline, and they can literally roll out of bed and walk across the hall to their lecture centers. This complex was built in record time. It only took 18 months through a public-private partnership with the academic campus communities, the nation's largest developer, owner, and manager of high-quality student housing communities. It's also very difficult to miss the UAC signs at the corner of Jackson and State in the loop. In 2019, we filled a significant void in our academic portfolio with the addition of the UAC John Marshall Law School, Chicago's first and only public law school. In addition to long, its long history of producing practice-ready lawyers and populating the bench in the state of Illinois, our law school is the most diverse law school in the Midwest and is heavily engaged in the Chicago communities through its pro bono legal clinics. A perfect match for USC. Last fall, we cut the ribbon of our College of Medicine Surgical Innovation and Training Lab during a virtual grant opening. They even trained me to cut the ribbon remotely using a robotic surgery system. I'm the one that is sitting there on the slide on the left. But the physicians, the surgeons made it clear that this is the limit of my medical credentials and I'm not supposed to be getting anywhere near these machines 
anytime soon. The lab, which establishes UAC as the center of excellence for robotic surgery in the Midwest, will allow us to train thousands of surgeons across the country and across the world and features advanced simulations in robotic surgery techniques for neurosurgery, microsurgery, and craniofacial surgery. We also broke ground last summer on a new outpatient surgery center and specialty clinics to expand UI health clinical operations. This center will provide much needed additional capacity for surgical procedures, as well as additional clinical space for some of our specialties, ophthalmology, urology, and otorhinolaryngology. This is the right way to say ENT in Greek, actually, and it's the formal, uh, the formal designation of the discipline. The new building will also serve as an important economic driver for the state and the healthcare system's local communities. Construction of the building employs approximately 500 individuals over the course of the two-year project, and 30% of the construction costs, 30% are spent with local minority, women, persons with disabilities, and veteran-owned businesses. This is our second USC building constructed under a public-private partnership. I also want to thank Bruno and Sally Pasquanelli for their generous support of this project. Their contribution is the biggest gift so far for our 750 million capital campaign. As we are changing the look of our campus, these projects need to remember that help us recruit and support top-tier faculty, while at the same time, they ensure that our students have the best possible educational experience and preparation for their professional careers, and our patients have access to the best clinical facilities. Even Sparky, our mascot, got an upgrade this year. So please meet the new Sparky, not to be confused with his predecessors, Sparky the Dragon or Sparky Jr. And please remember that during my entire tenure here, Sparky has not lost a single football game. Let's see how others in Illinois can make the same claim. As we look into the future, we need to remember that in the last two decades, we have experienced significant changes in societal and technological trends that directly affected higher education, including the shifting of the demographics of our country, the rapid advances in technology, and the significant increase in the national and global mobility of students and scholars. These changes have created unique challenges and opportunities as our universities try to adjust their educational and research models to fit this new reality. The relatively slow response of higher education to these trends, and our systems are many times slower than expected, has contributed to an overall negative shift in the public opinion about higher education across the political system. And this is trending over a number of years now. It's not a surprise that in such an environment, the requirements for cost control, accountability, and transparency have increased. The pandemic and the civic unrest crisis of 2020 have further accelerated these processes with demands for immediate responses under unprecedented conditions. At the same time, the need for a well-educated and diverse workforce is now greater than it has ever been in our history, especially as we contemplate the future of work in the post-pandemic world. Furthermore, the importance of basic and applied research conducted by universities is much higher than it was in the past. In fact, the future global competitiveness of the United States depends now more than ever on the success of higher education and most importantly, on the success of the top-tier public research universities. We are in a global research race and university with very high stakes, by the way, and universities like UAC are the US Olympic team in this race. In order to be successful in this new environment, our universities will have to undergo significant changes and do it at a pace much faster that we are accustomed to. It is critical 
that we regain the public trust. And to do so, we will have to focus even more on the public good and our relevance to protect affordability and clearly articulate our value proposition. New, more entrepreneurial, more nimble, and more user-friendly operational models will have to be developed to achieve these goals, and the state of Illinois will have to assist us, giving us the flexibility to do so. Despite its relatively short history, UAC has already established an outstanding record of preparing excellent professionals, a strong tradition of nurturing scholarly work, and a great legacy of contributing to the well-being of our city and our state. For over five decades now, we have honored our commitment to the public good, and we have become the university for Chicago. We're a very dynamic and successful institution, and over the last six years, we have experienced unprecedented periods of growth in student enrollments, as well as in research and clinical activities. At the same time, we have introduced significant changes in our operations, and we have proven that innovation is part of our academic and our operational DNA. So it should come as no surprise that as we exit the COVID-19 tunnel, there is light at the end of this tunnel right now, we are looking into the future with a renewed sense of optimism and to welcome the opportunity to change the higher education landscape, not only here in Illinois, but also across the nation. Just watch what UAC can and will do. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for your attention. And I'm looking forward to hearing your questions and getting engaged in the discussion. Thank you very much, Chancellor Amaritas. That was very, very informative and very, very challenging. And while you're getting a chance to rest your vocal cords for a few minutes and perhaps some of our fine Chicago water, um, I just have a couple of sort of commercials to mention. Number one, I would like to thank our sponsors of today's program, White and Company and the University of Illinois Systems. And I was so delighted to hear from you that the president, Dr. Tim Colleen, is listening in, and also the head of the um, Alumni Association, the president of the University of Illinois Alumni Association. By the way, I'm a life member. I'm all paid up. Okay. Um, tell you about two of our upcoming programs, ladies and gentlemen. On the 8th of April, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, who has also taken on the position of the head of the Illinois Democratic Party, will be our speaker. That's 11 a.m. on April 8th. And then a week later, on April 15th, and you don't have to worry about filing your tax returns this year on April 15th. There's an extension until May 17th. However, there is a footnote. There's always a footnote in academia. If you make quarterly payments, you're still going to have to make your quarterly payment by April 15th. But on the 15th of April, the City Club of Chicago will present Congressman Mike Quigley at 11 a.m. on April 15th. We have a number of questions, and uh, Chancellor Amaritas, uh, we'd like to share them with you, hear your response. Um, the first is from a Karen Edgerer. She says, the university recently began construction of a new surgery center. Are there further plans for development of the medical campus? For example a new and much-needed hospital. Thank you for the question. We just talked about the, uh, the surgery center. Uh, we have a comprehensive uh, plan uh, in, in terms of, uh, of buildings and facilities, a master plan for the entire university that includes both the east side, which is more of the undergraduate uh, campus and the west side where the health sciences and the uh, the healthcare delivery system. 
this is a 10-year plan that includes a number of facilities. Of course, there's always the contingency provider that we manage to raise the money in order to do so. Now, there is not a plan for a new hospital at this point, but there is a number of plans within the hospital for doing renovations in the hospital and changing some of the structure of the hospital. Across the street from the, uh, from the new outpatient surgery center, work is just starting right now also to create a new atrium for the hospital, a new entrance, and change some of the, of the uh, offices and the, uh, and the facilities that they're associated with the current space. Uh, so that's where we are with this. Uh, no discussion for a new hospital, but uh, significant uh, effort and plans to renovate and improve the existing facility. Thank you, Chancellor. Our next question is from Kirk Hartley, who's with LSP Group. LLC. We'd like to know about the plans that are in progress to ramp up multidisciplinary programs that could help Chicago and the state of Illinois create more new businesses. So there are two components uh, in in this uh, in this discussion. One uh, one has to do with the workforce development of what what kind of interdisciplinary programs you create. Uh, for educational purpose. And then the second one has to do with, uh, with the research that provides new approaches and uh, potentially new technology that can, uh, can help develop new businesses. In the first one, there is a concerted effort that we are making to mix some of the uh, humanities and the social sciences with, uh, with STEM skills. I'll give you an example. Uh, we're looking at dual degrees between computer science and some of the other Disciplines. Most recently, we introduced one to the Board of Trustees that combines design with computer science, and this will continue along these lines. Another very good example in this case is our bioengineering department, which is uh, sitting between the College of Engineering and the College of Medicine. It involves clinical practice as well as, uh, as engineering uh, disciplines and, and education. Uh, when we're talking about... Uh, research, there is, a, there is already a significant component of it, interdisciplinary research at, uh, at USC, but we're planning to launch a number of institutes that they are emphasizing this. We were supposed to start it this year because of COVID and because of some uncertainties in the finances. We had to wait, but I expect that we will do it next year when we will bring a few new interdisciplinary university-wide institutes looking at materials, looking at artificial intelligence, looking at some of the social sciences in order to advance the interdisciplinary research, which usually provides more innovative and new solutions. And then in between the two of them is a unique uh, asset that we have at UAC, and this is our innovation center. Our innovation center brings together students from multiple parts of the university, engineering, business, design, medicine, if there are some uh, healthcare delivery type of, of problems that they're dealing with, creates interdisciplinary teams and they work together to solve problems that they're posed to us. Can, Ed, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Or am I lost? Okay, I saw my no, picture no. froze all of a sudden. Uh, so, uh, and, and in the innovation center, we bring these multidisciplinary teams together and they address problems that they're specifically brought to us by industry. This is a wonderful makeup space, making space, and it's a startup space that we are expanding. We're doubling their, uh, their size right now. And it is one of the prototypes that the Discovery Partners Institute in Chicago is looking at to expand further. And of course, we are part of the Discovery Partners Institute, which combines the entire University of Illinois system. Thank you, Chancellor. Uh, this is a question from Joan Michael Hall, who I believe is probably a student at uh, the UIC John Marshall Law School. Um, he asked a question about a um, Ida B. Wells scholarship program, and he was wondering if you knew how many students would this scholarship support each year? 
John Hall is, uh, is one of our student leaders in, uh, in, uh, at UIC. He actually was the one who introduced me at the first time that I came uh, at, the, at the City Club. Ed, uh, he was an undergraduate, undergraduate student at that time, a member of our, of our board of trustees. And I love to have John next to me because he's an ex-Marine and I know that he has my back every time that we are together. So, uh, so Juan, uh, the IW Well Scholarship is, uh, is a new scholarship that we established uh, for a number of uh, Chicago public schools that they come from underrepresented areas, and in their majority, they are African-American students that they go to these schools. Uh, the, the goal is to raise $1 million, and we have managed by now to find matching for it. So for every dollar that goes in there, we'll match it one-to-one. And initially, it will provide, I'm I'm pretty sure, 20 scholarships this year. Uh, The idea is to endow this scholarship so we are able to have this in perpetuity and create a consistent pathway uh, to alleviate some of the financial issues that students from this school have in coming and attending uh, UAC. And of course, we are thrilled that the IW Wells family gave us the permission to use the name and to name the scholarship this way. Thank you very much. And thank you for asking that question, John. Um, speaking of finances and uh, tuition and so on, when I was a student in 1960, boy, that's a long time ago, um, at the University of Illinois at Navy Pier, tuition, I believe, was about $125 a semester. Uh, now we spend more than that on a book. I'm wondering, how much is tuition today at the University of Illinois at Chicago? Uh, is there aid available for people who have financial problems? And um, is tuition frozen at a certain level when you enter as a freshman? Well, let's let's take it one at one at a time, right? Uh, a, a number a number of questions. Uh, first of all, approximately the tuition because it's uh, it varies depending on the discipline, depending on some fees for labs and so on. But the tuition overall, it's on the order of twelve thousand at this point. Over the last seven years, we increased tuition only once, and that was one point nine percent of increase in the tuition, and. By the way, this is a four-year guarantee by state law. So the tuition that you enter with is exactly the same tuition that you pay in your fourth year. So students who enter today, and they will be with us until 20, and you will not, the, the board already voted that we are not going to, and we, we recommend that we don't increase tuition next year either. So we are talking about students that they will pay this tuition in 2025 it will be only 1.9% more than the students who paid tuition as freshmen in 2015. So over a decade, 1.9%. So that basically means that we are decreasing tuition over this period because the inflation moves at much faster pace than what we we have done. So we have made a very concerted effort. Uh, The three universities, the president of the system, uh, Professor Kalin, and the board of trustees, to keep tuition constant during this time. And basically, we have frozen it over a period of a decade. We provide, at the same time, our financial aid has increased significantly. At this point at UAC, on the order of 70 to 75% of the students who come to us receive some form of financial aid. Approximately 40% of our students pay less than 2,000 a year. So that shows you how much is the, uh, is the financial aid that we provide together with the Pell Grants from the uh, federal government and the MAP Grants from the state of Illinois. The problem that we have is that the need, the financial need for UIC students is huge. UIC has the largest percentage of Pell Grant recipients among any research one university in the country, with the exception of one, or second, right? 57% of our undergraduate students 
come to us as Pell Grant recipients and to receive the Pell Grant from the feds, that means that your family income is very close to the poverty limits here in Illinois. So we spend a significant, we make a huge effort to support these students financially, but we don't have enough. And that's why for us, uh, any political decision to increase the MAP funding in the state of Illinois, and we are very grateful to the governor, Governor Pritzker, and the General Assembly for doing this for a couple of years in a row, and we hope that this will happen again this year in the new budget. Any effort at the federal level to support low-income students through the Pell Grants has a direct impact on our students, and that's why we're steadfastly over decades now, it's not me, every predecessor of mine, support these, these notions. Thank you, Chancellor. Um, the next question that we have is from Leonard Dominguez with Education Associates Incorporated. His question deals with the negative impact on minority businesses because of the COVID. And how is UIC responding to this impact in terms of contracting and participation goals? I think you alluded to this in your remarks, but perhaps you would expand. Well, look, minority procurement is a key issue and a, and a very important aspect for us. In order to be successful in this area, you have to be intentional, and we are intentional. Our board of trustees actually has increased the percentage of all of our spending that has to go into minority and, and women-owned businesses, uh, and especially here, here in Chicago. We have a number. Part of the problem that we are facing is that uh, the way that the, uh, the state uh, defines minority-owned businesses is fairly complex, and there are several different certifications right, and processes of recognition at the federal level, at the state level, at the Cook County level, at the city level. And you can't help but wonder why can't we have just one process for these relatively small businesses to go through and being able to be certified, right? Because sometimes they get lost in the bureaucracy. We try to help them to go through this process. We hold the percent participation and we watch it very carefully, especially in the large uh, projects like construction that we have had, because we're talking about tens of millions of dollars in this particular case. And I mentioned the outpatient surgery center, which is the biggest construction that we have going on right now, 30% participation there and we are already at the 100 million mark and it's 30 million that goes to minority-owned businesses and at the same time we're advocating with the state to be able to give us some flexibility in the procurement rules because the state can create shelter markets that relieve some of the requirements that the small businesses and the business that they are not engaged into a lot of uh, of state contracting do not know how to navigate and allow us to do so with a shelter market for minority-owned businesses. The state did this a few years ago with IT services, and we saw a huge change in the percentage of minority participation in our IT services. And now UIC is advocating and the University of Illinois system is advocating in terms of expanding some of this, uh, creating, for example, a similar shelter market for professional services where there are a lot of small minority-owned firms that they operate in this area. Very good. Thank you. Um, you mentioned that we're beginning to see some light at the end of the COVID tunnel. And I, a couple questions. Um, the university system has been very successful with their saliva testing of students, faculty, and staff. Do you see this expanding beyond the University of Illinois system to other colleges, universities, and schools? And my second question would be, this has been a very stressful year, not only economically, but physically and mentally. Is the university working to be able to respond to students, to faculty, staff, and so on, who have encountered and are dealing with the stress of this pandemic? But these are two very, very important questions. Uh, first of all, uh, let me point out that our uh, our friends in Urbana-Sampaign uh, have done a remarkable uh, 
uh, job uh, developing the saliva test uh, there, uh, scaling it up uh, at a different rate and at a different scale than we did at Chicago. There, there are significant differences between the two. There they, they could scale up because they had a bubble. In Chicago, we don't have a bubble. Our students are, were porous with the city all the time, so there was no way that we could do what Urbana did. But we did develop a very strong surveillance program and that's why you're running more than 100,000 tests. When we're talking about 100,000 tests in Chicago for saliva testing, in Urbana Champaign, it's over a million tests over the same period of time. And yes, it is expanding already. Uh, my daughter that you mentioned at the University of Wisconsin, she is doing the saliva test on a weekly basis, and it's exactly the same saliva test under license from the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign. And the Baltimore public schools right now are negotiating with the University of Illinois system to get the same type of testing in Baltimore as well. So it has expanded. We're supporting other universities in the, in the state of Illinois, and it's a great contribution to the fight against COVID from a diagnostic standpoint. Uh, the second question is, uh, is something that uh, we, we have seen and we really worry about, and these are the mental health effects of COVID-19. Uh, the isolation has caused a lot of problems for employees, for students, for their families. Uh, our students really want the social component to come back. Uh, at the same time, we worry about their safety, so we have to walk a nice, a nice balance there, a fine line. Uh, but we have seen a significant increase. And as a result, we have been providing more services. We have hired more uh, professionals in terms of, uh, of uh, mental health uh, services for the students and to providing access to our faculty. I think that it's going to be much more than this. Uh, we cannot hire fast enough people to meet the, uh, the needs of our students and our community. And I think this is one of the, of the effects uh, of COVID that we will continue to live with uh, for a number of years. And I'm worried also, and that's not directly related to, to UAC yet, but I'm also worried about the very young kids, the ones that they're six, seven, eight years old, they're in their formative years. And a year in my life or your, your life may sound a small percentage by now, right? For them, it's a big percentage of their development and it's a formative years and we don't know how they're going to affect them behaviorally. We are also, since we are on this subject, we are also looking very seriously from a clinical uh, standpoint on the effects of what we call long COVID by now because there are a lot of reports from people who had the disease and survived the disease that some of the symptoms continue for a long period of time. And we are ready to open up a clinic about long COVID as well, because there is a lot of uh, need for clinical assistance to people that they have already gone through the disease. Very good. Thank you, Chancellor. And um, I noticed that you mentioned uh, the new mascot, Sparky. And uh, you also took a little jab at your um, president, Mr. Colleen, by saying that you had the football team that hadn't lost any games yet. And, um, you know, at one time, UIC did have a football team. And Great. when I was a freshman in 1960, 61, I was what would be called a scrub on the University of Illinois football team. Um, I only got into a game if we were ahead by 50 points or behind by 50 points. So, um, President Colleen, give Chancellor Emeritus a little break on that. I want to thank you very much for taking time. Ed, 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 Ed yeah. if I may, you were playing at the Soldier Field, right? Yes, at we that time. That's worth it. So that was a great home home field for, for UAC at that time. It, it, it really was. It really, it really was. But um, – I just really, we're so delighted that you could join us for your third visit. Of course, we present you with a one-year complimentary membership in the City Club of Chicago. And our famous City Club mug that we like to say is often imitated and never duplicated. And if you have, this is your third one, you could sit down with your administrative team and Give everybody a cup and yourself while you lay out plans for 
the future of the university and its tremendous impact on the neighborhoods, the city of Chicago, and the state of Illinois. Chancellor Amaritas, we thank you for being with us today. And if anyone wishes to contribute to the City Club of Chicago, we are a charitable 501c3 organization. We appreciate your contribution, particularly during this period of the pandemic. Hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, we can come back and meet in person that we all like to do and network and talk. And I just want to say thank you once again, Chancellor, and best of luck and good fortune. And we look forward to having you join us again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. And to follow the the tradition, I'll send you a UAC mug as well. (laughs) Very good. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you, everybody. We look forward to seeing you at our April 8th program with Congresswoman Robin Kelly. Thank you. Have a great day.